Well, welcome to this edition of the Better Today Than Yesterday podcast. As always, I'm Pastor Bard here with Pastor Scott. And today we're going to be talking about leading yourself. I mean, out of all the skills I think somebody needs to have to to be able to help us develop ourselves, I think the first thing we have to do is develop ourselves. Well, yeah, 50% of our energy, not our time, but our energy should yep. be, should go to, to, to self-awareness, to self-leadership. And, and that's that's why a lot of things about spiritual disciplines are really important, mm-hmm. that you don't spend time with God in order for God to love you more. Uh, you spend time with God so God can work on your character so you can be more loving mm-hmm. in your relationships, that you're not a pain in the butt to people <laughs> because you spent time with the Lord and he's He's worked in your character. Your, your prayer life, your, your devotional mm-hmm. life, your intentional uh, times of, of fasting or surrendering or, mm-hmm. or committing or vow-making. Those things are all part of, of this development of, of being self-aware. When I moved to Canada uh, back in, in 2009, uh, we landed, you moved from Florida to Canada, and we were in a different climate and a different culture, a different denomination and different customs. It was really, I wish I could think of a third C, but a fourth C. But, um, you know, we were all in these different things. And I remember Tara and I talking about Canada was so different. And I told her, I said, baby, our job is not to for them to adjust to us. Mm-hmm. Our job is for us to adjust to them, mm-hmm. us to figure them out and work with them in the best way. So that caused us to be self-aware. And here's one of the great lessons I've learned, Pastor Bard. I'm kind of large and loud <laughs> and a little bit opinionated. A little bit. And, and, and maybe have a bigger-than-life personality, mm-hmm. especially on stage. And uh, Canadians hate that. They hate it. And they call it the tall poppy syndrome, that when the poppy gets higher than everybody else, you cut the poppy off. Interesting. And um, so here I am. This is me in Canada. But God knows what he's doing. And what he was doing was working on them and working on me, causing me have to look at my life. I never could say my team. I would say our team. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't say my church, God's church. Uh, we are going to do this. Perhaps we should move forward with this. I had to learn to be self-aware mm-hmm. of their culture uh, and, and from my own perspective. Now, I'd rather be a bulldog and just push things through, but that's not how it works. No, no. And that is hard. That is hard going into a new culture, a new place. It, that actually actually makes you more self-aware in a way because we get so used to being in our own element and, and not thinking, just doing. I remember we did the same thing with the seminary in Phoenix and it was it was culture shock because I'd grown up in South Texas and there's this this very friendly southern way of doing things. And but direct. Th- yes, yeah, very direct. Texas is direct. But out there, I mean, you know, think about it. You you drive in Texas. You know, we call it the the, the two finger wave, you know, you're yeah. steering just lift them up the steering wheel, just yeah. you know, cars go by, you wave it. You know, you you walk by somebody, you smile and nod. Nod, yeah. Man, out there in Phoenix, it was like uh, it was like New York West, California East. I mean, it was people were not friendly. They give you if you smile and nod, they look at you like something was wrong with you, and it was like it made us so self aware of who we were in a fish out of water culture. And I remember as a young man going out there visiting, it's like griping that you know that you know restaurant, you know. Dairy Queens didn't have steak. You know that Dairy Queens, like west of Texas, don't have steak fingers. Tell me it's not true. It's true. Oh my gosh! I went to a Dairy. How could we possibly? And I kind of had a meltdown. It was one of those ones. It's like those. It was almost of a sitcom. It's like a last straw where it was. 
you know, this is different, and this is different, and this is different, and people aren't friendly, and, you know, we're having trouble making making friends, and it's, you know, trying to fit in this culture, and, and we were, you know, I think like you, we were kind of like, well, this is who we are, and so, you know, I went to a Dairy Queen, and it was like, you know, I need a, I want a steak finger basket, and they're like, what? I'm like, steak finger basket? You mean a country basket? I'm looking, no, that's chicken, I mean steak fingers. What is, I mean, literally, the guy at Dairy Queen goes, what is that? And I just looked at Molly and said, where are we? I mean, it was like twilight zone. I said, seriously, do, do, do you not have dip cones either? Dilly bars? Sunday? Oh, we have all that. But you don't have snake fingers. It's like, it's like, heaven help us. That's exactly That was just like, and I got in the car and I felt so bad. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, I just, I just had a meltdown. And at that point I realized, okay, I've got to make some, I've got to do some inward looking and make some changes in me if I'm going to, fit in out here, if I'm going to make connections out here, if if, if this isn't going to be just a, a train wreck of a, a two or three year experience. So yeah, it's very important that we are, we are, we look inside and we are self-aware of some things. Today we want to help you guys with uh, talking about some principles uh, of being self-aware, of, of self-leadership. Because think about it, that's what it is. I mean, how, how do we expect to lead others if we don't lead ourselves. Exactly. And, and if you're not responsible enough, yeah. you know, part of that is, is setting appropriate. Mm -hmm. And we talk about goal setting. Yeah. And we're going to talk about a few things, give you some kind of things to think mm -hmm. about. You know, goal setting really is not a matter of saying, I'm going to achieve this, I'm going to achieve this, I'm going to achieve this. It's about who am I going to be in the future? Mm -hmm. What kind of person do I want to be in the future? Mm -hmm. And I look at models and mentors. Mm -hmm. um, models uh, are, are people usually that are dead. Yeah. Mentors are those who are alive and are still mm -hmm. with you. Mm -hmm. But I look at, you know, I want to model my life. My father was my mentor, now he's my model, because he showed me a man of character mm -hmm. and how to live without fear, how to tell the truth, how to be faithful. And then, then now he's, you know, he's a model for me. Mm -hmm. While he was a mentor, he's coaching me. So we have to have those models and mentors to set those appropriate goals for our life. And I would say, like, you know, talk about in church life with mm -hmm. us. We're going to have 400 in attendance. Well, that's none of our business. No. Mm -mm. That's God's business. Nope. You know, are we going to develop a heart for God and love God and become people that, that are openly, unashamedly pursuing a vital relationship with Jesus Christ and helping others to find mm -hmm. that relationship? That's a goal. Yeah, exactly. And that's becoming, this drives my life. Yeah. This is what drives my life. So it's that looking at that, that spark of that divine influence and, and then also understanding our giftedness. Mm -hmm. What has God gifted you to do? You know, I've got this dadgum koi pond <laughs> in my backyard, and yeah. we've been... You've been fighting that for a long yeah, time Yeah, those fish are so beautiful. They're just so koi. But anyway, <laughs> we, we had to, we've been working on it. Finally, I think we may have found some solution. We'll find out if it's still working when I get home today. But what it is with that is that I had to realize that I have to get the environment right in the koi pond for that those fish to be thriving. I have to get the environment right in my mm -hmm. own life. And that's there where I'm going to do the, the study and the discipline and the looking at who I am, what I'm doing, what should I be doing, mm -hmm. and adjusting my life accordingly. And that's, man, that's just all the dead gum time. Mm -hmm. What do I value? Where am I weak? Mm -hmm. Where am I strong? You know, I, I, I'm not any good at working on a pump. But I'm good at writing and I'm good at speaking, so I need to develop those things. Not learn my pump making skills, mm -hmm. but but develop the skills that God has given me. 
And I think that also comes down to time management because when we're trying to do stuff outside of our giftedness, one, it frustrates us because we don't accomplish what we want to accomplish. Right. We don't feel like we're getting stuff done. And two, it is. It's wasting our time. I, I joke with Molly. It's like um, there's certain things as, as I've gotten older. You know, when you're younger and you don't have much funds or whatever, you know, you fix something. You know, something breaks, you fix it. And I remember whether it was like changing a battery in the car or changing the oil or, you know, uh, an appliance would break and I'd break it down and, you know, try to fix it, do stuff with it. Uh, mowing the lawn, fixing a window, those type of things. I mean, I remember like the first 10, 15 years we were married, I would do those things. Yeah. Now, I didn't have much skill in a lot of those things. So for me to rewire an outlet or to change something in the car, fix a filter or something like that, now that might take three or four hours to do it. When there's somebody that knows what they're doing that can do it in 45 minutes. Exactly. And so nowadays I joke, so you do, do you do this, do you do that, do you do this? You know, me and Molly, after 30 years of marriage and saving money and, you know, Dave Ramsey living like nobody else, and now here we are 30 years later, at times we can live like nobody else. My time, I joke, is worth $300 an hour. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that I can go out there, say that something's broken on the car. I can look it up online. I can fix that. It'll take me five hours to fix that thing on the car. That's $1,500. Or I can take it to an auto shop and pay somebody $250 to do it in an hour. Yeah. What am I going to do? I'm going to take it to the auto body guy who knows what he's doing, and I'm going to go home and I'm going to write, or I'm going to make phone calls, or I'm going to counsel, I'm going to read, I'm going to study, I'm going to work on my sermon, I'm going to counsel somebody. I'm going to do the things that are in my wheelhouse and gifting and let other people do the things that are in their wheelhouse and their gifting. Even if it means paying them a little bit for it because my time is worth so much more than saving two or three hundred bucks on an auto repair. Yeah, and that's just part of knowing who you are. Yep. And and didn't, I want to talk about this real quick, Pastor Bart, mm-hmm. about the, the, the uh, myth of balance. Mm-hmm. We talk about, oh, we want to have a balanced life. But I've, I've lived a long time, and I've realized that there's seasons of my life mm-hmm. that are just going to be out of balance. Yeah. And I, what I need to look for is rhythm as opposed to balance. Mm-hmm. What is the rhythm of my life? Uh, like here in the last year, I've made a huge change mm-hmm. as far as you know, who I am and what I do. And now I'm a part of your team here. And the thing is that I've had to find a new rhythm for me. Um, that decision making and what I skills I would all do that they've changed mm-hmm. and it's I found this new rhythm to be very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I had to find a rhythm before. There's many times when I've just been out of rhythm mm-hmm. and and not right, and that creates anxiety and stress and confusion. Mm-hmm. Not only me, but everyone around me that that's influenced by this because. You know, check the you check the temperature of the team by checking the leader. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's so when I'm discombobulated and not in rhythm, then others are. Oh, yeah. So I think about you as working with you. I want to keep you in a good rhythm because mm-hmm. I know when you're in rhythm, we're all in rhythm. Yeah. And and that's you know you say that balance. It's it's taken us you know here at uh, FOTC about twelve years to get into this perfect balance and rhythm because for twelve years I was doing so much right that was not 
in my wheelhouse, but when you know, when you start a church and you're the lead guy and all that stuff, you have to do. And been so there, it, done that, yeah. And yeah, and you've been there. I've been there. You know, you've been there, done that multiple times. I've had my last decade of doing that. And the goal was to basically, you know, and it was completely out of balance. I mean, there was stuff that I was doing that I should not have been doing. And what I mean by that is, let me rephrase that. There's stuff that I was doing that wasn't in my giftedness and wasn't in my wheelhouse, but I had to do the accounting and I had to do yeah. maintenance and I had to do a bunch of other things that you have to do just in a, a business in a church to keep it going that that's not, that's not me. And so there's that life out of balance and then we got our team together. And now, like you said, we found that rhythm, but you know, we do that in life. I mean, me and Molly are moving to that now for the past 24 years. You want to say we've been more very kid centric because yeah. we've homeschooled and we've had uh, my son and my daughter. And so, so much of our life has been parents so did we do a lot of us time and vacation stuff, just me and her, not as much as we would have liked to. We weren't very balanced with that, but we were focused on raising some kids to be some really good adults. And now my daughter is going to be 19 here in a couple of weeks. And, you know, she's kind of on her own doing a lot of her thing most of the time. My son is now married and he, he's got his own thing going. And now all of a sudden we're in a, a new phase. So we're having to find a new rhythm to life mm-hmm. being empty nesters and it's it's weird and there's times that it's like they're out thank god they're out yes and then it's like this weekend they were all back and it was oh there's so much good fun having them back and by sunday we're like get out and so <laughs> time for you to go home time for you to go yeah. home yeah so but yeah but you're right it's it, yeah i think too much ma- is made in psychological circles about you have to have a balance and you have to be Balanced. Well, yeah, you can't be a workaholic, or you can't be completely focused on one person. But at the same time, you're right. There's a rhythm. Find to your life. rhythm. Yeah, the Maybe rhythm. Maybe you're to a life. three three person. Uh, yeah. Maybe a three four person. Maybe you're four four person. Maybe you're six eight. Maybe you're twelve eight. Who knows? Find find that 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 baseline rhythm of your life, and then uh, and then jo- enjoy that. Now, yeah. part of your balance, you know, um, and and as I get as I get older. I get this that uh, I saw this other day. A meme said, uh, "Hey, enjoy your twenties, thirties, and forties because in your fifties your check engine light comes on, <laughs> and that's probably true. And in your sixties, it ain't your check engine; it's broke. You yes. gonna have to go get it. That's why God gave us Medicare. Yeah. Get everything fixed. Yeah. But anyway, I, I'm teasing. That, don't, don't. No, no, no. That's why they say you turn forty, you hit fifty, and you reach sixty. Oh, there you go. That's pretty smart. There you go. But it's finding that rhythm in the different seasons of your life. There were some things I did when I was younger mm-hmm. that that filled my soul, like surfing. Yeah. Now I can't surf anymore. I'm I'm too old, too decrepit, and the save the well people keep pushing me back out to sea. <laughs> I just you know just can't can't do that anymore. I used to I used to fish, and I'll still fish every now and then. But I don't have that passion. Used to play golf. Now I walk by my clubs with disgust. So it's you know now I'm the keeper of koi, which yes. is oh, it's a fishy fishy endeavor. Yeah. But uh, it's the whole process <laughs> of finding that rhythm that works. And of course, real quickly, we've kind of gone on and on. Resilience. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bard. The other day, Tara and I passed. Uh, we passed a milestone of forty-two years of marriage. Amazing. That's really and we awesome. we sat down with each other, and we kind of. Well, I said we. I started the conversation with her. I said, you know, baby, over the forty-two years we've been together, mm-hmm. we've had some. Uh, we've gone through some things we never thought we'd go through. We never thought we would lose everything we had in, mm-hmm. in bankruptcy. We never thought we would get fired from a church. You know, from 
you know, and then just treated with slander and disgust and disdain and over things that weren't true. I never thought that would happen. Never thought that um, uh, I would have multiple surgeries on knees and backs and things like that. Never mm. thought we would have a rebellious child and and then uh, the child come back. And never, never, never thought we would go through these things. Uh, heartache of losing our parents, of losing our friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very weary of burying the people I love, you know, because you know when you're the designated preacher, you bury them and mm-hmm. and marry them and. Uh, We've gone through a lot of heartache, but God's been faithful through all of it. Mm-hmm. We've gone through a lot of joy. Uh, coming back to Victoria has been yeah. one of those those joyful things. And I never loved this city while I lived here, mm-hmm. and now I kind of love this city. <laughs> Something's wrong with me. Yeah. You know, I, I develop. I guess you know, home is where your heart is. Yep. And so it, things change with our lives, and to understand that, to have that resilience mm-hmm. and that reflection of what's good and what's right, and, and celebrate. What's honorable, you know, uh, we celebrated. We went to P.F. Chang's, had some sushi and and pad thai, and um, just the celebration of who we are as a couple, and the celebration of our family, of our grandkids, and the celebration of getting to to be a part of what God's doing on here. Mm-hmm. It's all about that art of self awareness mm-hmm. and that discipline. And uh, I'm, I'm going to throw this. I'm going to say this, and I'll throw this back to you. The continuously learning. Mm-hmm. Leaders are learners. Mm-hmm. If you're alive, you have to learn. Yep. Um, we're going to Israel in December, mm-hmm. and I, so to that. and I started reading uh, Genesis, Exodus, uh, the, the mm-hmm. Pentateuch. I started reading all to get a historical perspective. I just ordered uh, Flavius Josephus, uh, his book of antiquities. Oh wow! To read that because I want to fill my heart, my reservoir of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that when I go to Israel, I've been five times, that I could be a better guide and have more information to share and to get other people's hearts ready mm-hmm. as well. So it's that continual learning. Mm-hmm. Leaders are learners. Mm-hmm. And if you get to a place you think you've learned too much, you've not. And in fact, I'll say this to you. You don't learn anything till you teach it. No, you don't. That, I think that's what the what guys are trying to study Bible or anything. I always tell them, it's like, well, I can't really get it. I said, no, don't read it to teach yourself, read it with the mindset that you're going to have to take this information and you're going to have to relay it to somebody else. And that just changes the whole way you look at something. Because it's one thing to, all of us have a tendency to do something, get by with it and move on. But knowing that we have to take that information and successfully and properly relay it to somebody else, that changes everything. But you're right, we have to be continual learners. You have to continue to whatever it is. I mean, Entire civilization. The, one of the main reasons the Roman the Roman civilization fell was because they quit learning. They quit innovating. They got big. They got comfortable. They got you know the the city states were basically the farmers were growing the food and it was just hedonistic parties and whatever of the upper class and they quit innovating military wise. They quit innovating culturally. They quit learning and innovating with you know farming techniques and everything else and. They crumbled from within as other civilizations continued to grow and learn around them. And it's the same thing for us. We've got to continue to learn. Well, it sounds, to like, learn. The, sounds like the Western church. Yeah. We've gotten comfortable and complacent, and yeah. we we just continue to, to fade into oblivion. And I think that's why the last thing about self-awareness is accountability. accountability. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. You've got to have somebody that you share stuff with. You've got to have somebody that 
that you're in a deep enough relationship. Like we say, relationships make life rich. Right. And you've got to have somebody that you've shared enough life with that knows enough about you that when you're starting to stray, they can call you out on it. You gotta have somebody that you can go to and say, "Hey, this is what I, this is one of my goals. I need you to help me stay on track. Hey, this is what I'm trying to overcome. I need you to ask me how I'm doing. Hey, I want to learn this new thing. I need you next month to ask me about it to see if I've if I've progressed where I want to go. Because if I know I got to tell you, then you know if we have to answer to somebody, then we're always more likely to do it. Um, but you know, I think kind of it comes down to what I call best practices. A lot of people say that best practices. If you want to learn something new, find somebody that's been there, done that, and go and build a relationship with them. Let them be your accountability as they help you reach the level that they're at. Because that's that's what basically all discipleship is. It's you got people that are higher on you spiritually. You've got people that are lower than you spiritually, i.e. on the ladder of, of, of spiritual knowledge. And you want to be with people that can help bring you to that next step. As, as you're bringing. As you're bringing somebody up right, to the next step right. with you. And that is... That's accountability. I mean, because, you know, they say the true test of a one's character is what they would do if they knew they'd never get caught. Um, the truth of the matter is most of us need somebody to catch us. <laughs> yeah, we, we need we to know do, we can be we caught. Need, we need, we need yeah. to know that we can be caught, and we need to know that these things that we're trying to, we want to do, that we need to be able to have somebody that we can answer to other than just ourselves. Because when we have somebody else that's pushing us along, that becomes our, we all need cheerleaders. But accountability, it's not just are you doing right or wrong. Accountability is also a cheerleader. So it's always a two-way street, right. too. Exactly. Don't ever be held accountable by someone who won't let you hold them accountable. accountable. Yeah. So here, I want to end it, end it with this, unless you have more. No, you're good. Um, Tara asked the question, my wife, kindergarten teacher, asked the question, what are you doing, what should you be doing? Mm-hmm. And that is the ultimate question of self-awareness. What are you doing what should you be doing? We should be better today than we were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And better today means more like Jesus. That's the answer. Hope this helps. We'll see you next time.